Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Charles Booth writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. Not a new mic, but a different mic as I am on the road traveling. So if I find sound different than usual, that's why. So now you know. Now you're in on the inside with us. But we are talking Texas Tech basketball today in Albie's arena. And we're going to actually talk both men and women today because the fan base is upset. The fan base is a little, they're all a Twitter on Twitter. And so to talk both men and women's basketball and to Albie's arena, we're also going to bring Jeremy's gym on. So that's the people's champ, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? What up, Albie? I'd like to say that I'm happy to be back on this part of the Tortillas and Takes podcast. I will acknowledge that every time I have to edit this damn show, when you have other guests on, I'm always waiting for the slight the Jeremy, like, ah, it's Jeremy Kid. I'm so glad we don't have Jeremy here. We could have a real guest on here. Blah, blah, blah. I have to listen to that, edit it, just, and then push it out there. I can't just stop it. Like, I don't have it, – it's I have to watch it go out into the universe. It's really hard, man, but I'm so glad to be here. I legitimately only do it because I know you're going to listen to it later, and I find it fun. I find it so funny. <laughs> like, a lot of the times when I'm recording with other guests, I'm like, ah, Jeremy's going to get a kick out of this. <laughs> He's going to find this funny. Um, so starting with the men, so last time we, last time, uh, I was on, we, we got a chance, an opportunity to really, uh, talk about where men, Texas Tech men's basketball was, right? At the time we had just beaten Kansas. We were feeling good. We were feeling ourselves. Uh, but it was pretty obvious we were going into what I called the toughest test of the season, a test. And you know, sometimes some games are tests and some games are just all out. Uh, now I don't want to say impossible to win, but th- the odds are wildly stacked against you. It's it's deeper than a test. It's like a, it's 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 like a five year old taking the SATs, <laughs> and that's what that is what the game at Iowa State felt like even before the game started. Before the game started, you had the hottest team not only in the Big Twelve but one of the hottest teams in the country playing at home in one of the toughest environments in the country and a team that has not lost at home all season and a team that is questionably Big 12's best team. I mean, as we're recording, they're playing Houston right now and they don't look like the Big 12's best team because Houston's beating them. But uh, still, like they, they were just a fiery hot team and Texas Tech's going into that environment without war in Washington. It just seems like our hands were tied and our, our foot tied even further back going into the game like it was just it, the, the game was lost within the first five minutes is what it felt like yeah and Iowa State's just that good right you're playing in Hilton which has had magic this season however you want to you know discern that magic referee voodoo or just Iowa State going unconscious um, from three Iowa State just had a tremendous season. And I mean, all credit to uh, TJ Olsenberger because when he first stepped on the scene and we we mollywopped him, I thought, damn, they made it the wrong hire because <laughs> he doesn't seem like he has a clue what's going on. But Coach Olsenberger just kind of settled in and said, I know what guys I need. I know the process I want to I want to go about. And in his, you know, what, third season now, second season, um, I, Iowa State is – vying for the big 12 championship like they want that title um and this is an impressive turnaround for a program that was kind of teetering um uh but has had a lot of success historically so when we were down early wasn't surprised and this was one of the game we talked about albie it was like if we don't lose that bad if no one gets injured um i think i'm good i'm good with that i'm happy (laughs) 
<laughs> it felt it felt like an auto loss, right? It was, the only other game I felt like this before was when we played at Houston. And I mentioned this last episode. We played at Houston. Houston was coming off of back-to-back losses. And it was just like uh, either Houston sucks, which I know they don't, or we're going to get ran. And what happened is we got ran. And so <laughs> this in this game also, I was kind of like – and. Obviously, Iowa State doesn't suck. This is just a terrible timing for us. And then you find out earlier in the day, Warren Washington's not playing. And it's just like, well, the there goes there goes the one advantage we had. The one advantage the Tech had was is we had a true big man, both offensively and defensively. And Iowa State doesn't necessarily play that type of basketball. And so that was, that was our lone advantage. And it's gone. And sure enough, in this game, we let's get into it. That was they were able to drive kind of kind of at will in this game get into the paint, and that's any time that you're playing Texas Tech and they don't have a one Washington, that's just going to be the case. Uh, early on, they had Tech made it close very at the beginning, 7-6, to six, and then Iowa State bursted, bust the door open. And before you know it, you blink, and it's 34-19. to 19. Yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, and there was a brief moment where I thought, of course, you know, just early on in the game, just very excited. I thought, dang, we're playing Iowa State pretty good right now. But like I said, I mean, I think the big difference is, is that um, rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. One of the hardest issues, uh, well, I, let me actually put it, the second hardest issue for us in the night was just getting good quality rebounds. The first issue, which Iowa State has done tremendously all year, is creating turnovers. There was a point where we had more turnovers and we had field goals in the game. It was yep. like seven turnovers, four field goals. I, I, was, I was befuddled. I thought, oh, surely it couldn't get any worse. Oh, it could. 16 total turnovers in the game, uh, only 24 field goals. Europe, this, this, we always talk about, I mean, we have talked about this season. Houston has is a tremendous, is probably like, one of the best defense, these best defense in the country right now. Um, Iowa State has the best turnover monster in the country right now. Um, they may allow you to get points on the board. I mean, we ended up with 74 on the night, but it never felt like we had a chance. It was never felt like we had a chance because anytime we would try to get momentum or we try to go down and like, hey, let's let's stop their run. Let's let's just let's cool it off, guys. Here, it would be up turnover leading to a you know a, a, a points and tra- transition. And it was just, it was maddening. It was hard to get any kind of consistency throughout the night because Iowa State was just on and on early. And I don't know what it is about their, like, what has changed for them because last year wasn't like this. You know, last year wasn't at all like this. And they've just become a completely different beast this year. This is, I mean, this is a well, well put together team. I mean, this is everybody knows their position. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. But you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to that perimeter defense. And if you have more steals than turnovers, I don't see how you lose a game. Like, I, like more steals than turnovers is what Iowa State had. Eight steals and six turnovers. I don't really see how you're going to lose a game. And they really controlled it. I mean, the end score of it, eight points, doesn't tell the whole story on from the Iowa State side. Um, I will say in the second half, right, it was we were down 14 at halftime. Game's virtual. I mean, uh, 14 is not the biggest deficit in the world. But in no way did I feel at halftime that we had any shot at this game. And, and it was just – it continued in the second half. But I will say with about 10 minutes to go, we're down 20. And from that moment, Texas Tech just fought. The game was over. I mean, the game was over. But we just fought. We fought, 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 fought. Put up a 50-burger in the second half. You lose by eight, a respectable score, and that's something that if you're Greg McC- Grant McCaslin, you can carry forward and say and, and, and kind of have film. Film session is not as terrible on Monday, right? Film session is not something that you're like dreading because Grant McCaslin, you can now say, these are some of the stuff that we were, our fight was incredible. These are things we're willing to do. We don't have to just shoot because one of the biggest problems I had in this game was that no Warren Washington, so we're just going to shoot like crazy and pray that all the shots go in. And instead of doing that, we saw more ball movement later in the second half. We saw more smart uh, shots being taken smartly in the second half. Right, taking care of the ball later, late in the second half. And and you could argue that Iowa State had let, let their foot off the gas. They absolutely did, no question. But it was also a combination of just being smarter overall. Yeah, and then I, th- I, I either was going to tweet it out in the first quarter or or first half of the second half i don't even remember if i sensed it out because that night was a blur there was a point in the game where i thought okay you were gonna lose i think the best thing you can do for yourself as a team 
is to play. Hey, it wasn't the first half because we were getting molly rocked. Uh, and it was like, I think the best thing you can do as a team is to play the do the small things right. Like if you can get fundamentally better, you're still going to lose. But if you can get fundamentally better and limit the turnovers, make clean passes and take good shots, like don't try to force it. That's going to benefit you as the team in the long run. Because without Warren Washington, this team lacks a lot of chemistry. Because Washington offers a lot of passing opportunity in the middle, um, screen opportunity. Like, there's so many things that he does to change the Texas Tech game. I kind of hate how much we are reliant on him because, like, if he is injured in longevity, if he's injured in the tournament, it dramatically changes the outcome no of bigs. any game. We have no other. We bigs. have no other bigs. Yahalo is probably the only one that's a decent size, and even he's kind of some undersized, and he's not ready. I mean, there's really just no. He's not ready. Yeah, we have no idea. Robert Jennings, I think, did a decent job at the five in this game. Um, you know, he did all about, about what you asked from him, right? So I don't. I know no qualms on Robert Jennings. I thought he played well. I thought Darren Williams was was fine, right? But th- I mean, you know, Pop once again still struggling. And, and this is a game where you can't have pop struggle. And he's, you know, he's in a funk right now. He's, he's been struggling the last few games. And so I do wonder what's going on with him, if he's okay. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. And that's really where that jacking up shots really came from, especially in the first half of pop there. And him and Kerwin Walton, actually. 2-11 from the field for Pop, 0-7 for 3, um, which is when, I got, when we got to the in-game scenario, I think we were only down 6 five, whatever it was, and the play was, you know, toss it out to Pop and Pop take the three. I get that you have a lot of faith in the kid. Hey, you've been cold all day, but I know you can make this shot. For me, though, I think I would see it as Pop is putting, and this is what I've been seeing more and more lately, is I feel like Pop is putting a lot of pressure on himself to make things happen. Yeah, I agree Uh, with that. Which is just not, I mean, you can tell when he makes, like when we're coming out of the half-court offense, he's making drives to the basket, not even acknowledging any of the other players. I, I can see maybe you see a lane, but if you've been playing like absolute dookie against Iowa State and there's been no real lane, I think that you respect that and you try to run it through the rest of the guys. Um, people who have been making good, you know, Darian Williams, three for five in the night. Robert Jennings, even four for seven. Um, Tucson ended up being six for nine. Like people were having better nights. Yeah. Well, do you give it to somebody else? Do you remember that discourse in NBA Twitter like about a year or two ago whenever we were talking about the difference between a hooper and a basketball player? Mm. So Joe or Pop and Chance McMillian, because he, he you don't he, you're not uh, upscathed from this commentary, McMillian, because you also had a pretty bad game. Um, those two guys are hoopers, right? And when those guys, those two guys being hoopers, you, you come down, you need a bucket, you, you got to go to the hoopers. You got to go to the guys that no matter what, I'm going to get this bucket off, right? I'm going to do what it takes. It's fine. I can go 0 for 1,000. I'm going to make this game winner right here, right? Mac, Mac McClung was a hooper, right? There's a lot of hoopers that we have. Um, but sometimes you need the basketball players to come through. The, the, <laughs> the Darian Williams, the Robert Jennings, the, you know, uh, I still haven't decided. I haven't figured out what Kerwin Walton is. He's he's just kind of. <laughs> I have no idea to be honest, but um, right. And we need. And I think the problem is is that with also with Pop for and Chance is going to be a hooper. It is what it is. That's who he is. That's who you want him to be. Pop eventually is going to have to evolve into both, right? Watching Jamal Shedd here from U of H. Jamal Shedd is a great example of somebody who was a hooper and evolved into both. Jamal Shedd can do it all. He can. He he's a great basketball player, great hooper. He can do it all. He whatever you need him to do, right? That uh, another example is is <laughs> I know everybody um, everybody hates him, but uh, uh, words names escape me. Kevin McCullough. What? Sorry, Kevin McCullough. Oh yeah. Everybody hates him. I know that, but Kevin McCullough. He was a basketball player. He was just a strictly a basketball player. I mean, he became he evolved into a hooper while he's been at Kansas, and he can do both, right? Um, and so. Eventually, if Pop for Pop to take that next step as to be a true force in college basketball and a potential NBA player, I do think he has to make that next step of going from not just a pure hooper, pure pure hooper, sorry, hoopa, into being both a hooper and a basketball player and finding out that that easy medium for both. And we saw it earlier this season where Joe T recognized that okay, 
you know, my shots falling, so I got to start passing. I, I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm not my shots in, so I got to keep going. In this game, you know, especially in the later, in the, I saw that leadership really come through from Joe Toussaint that we haven't really seen in the last few games, and so it was good to kind of see that piece really come through. He had a pretty efficient game overall. Was kind of invisible in the first half, I would say. It took like 15 minutes before I even heard his name. I don't know if that was that's just, you know, um. Yeah, I don't know if I wasn't paying attention or what, but he just seemed invisible. But he really, that efficiency really started shining through later in the game. And he's somebody that I think is trying to, you know, do things the smart way. I just I just want Pop to reel it in some when you're not having a great night and really think about some of the stuff that you're doing there. Um, but I'm not going to put too much on this game personally. It was an auto well. It felt like an auto well from the very beginning. Uh, luckily, Jeremy, the rest of the schedule... None too shabby, right? So the AP did rank the Red Raiders. They're 23rd in the nation now. But we have home against TCU, uh, a bubble team, a team that is, is fighting to, uh, I wouldn't say a bubble team. I mean, well, kind of, right? But they're a team that is still trying to fight to make sure they get in the tournament. UCF is on, like, the outskirts of the bubble, a slight chance of potentially getting into the tournament. But um, uh, but they need a win. They got to they gotta beat us this weekend. Right on Saturday, this at UCF. This give this would give them opportunity to have their third top twenty-five win at home this year. We have rematch against Texas, the team we beat before at West Virginia, the worst team in the conference, or at second worst team in the conference. Sorry, at Oklahoma State, the worst team in the conference, and then home against eleventh ranked Baylor, and we can get that get back. Um, a team that I've mentioned before, I think, is a little, little overrated. So the remaining six games, not bad. Ken Palm actually has his favorite in all six games. Um, shout out to RC Max. He was saying that, you know, he Tech wins four of these games, he'd be happy, and I kind of agree with him. We went, we go four and two in the stretch. Game, we could go six and zero. Oh. I mean, I really believe that in this these next six games, you know, like I said, Ken Palmer already has a favorite in all six of them, but I definitely think we can win at least four of them, and that puts us in a really good position. We'd be twenty two and eleven on the season. We probably right now, Joe Lenardi has us as a five seed. I think that would carry through, even with just four wins. Even with just four wins, I think that would carry through. Um, and so, the, the schedule, I mean, that's the toughest That's the toughest game you're going to play until the tournament. The toughest scenario, you're going to play until the tournament. Eight-point loss, can't be mad at that. Can't be mad at that, no. And I do think, you know, we were talking about this earlier, um, looking across, looking down that schedule, uh, got a lot of get-backs here. Uh, <laughs> going to be a really important one against TCU, I think, um, tomorrow night or tonight, I guess, 8 p.m. ESPN2. Uh, that one I'm not worried about. I'm really excited about the Texas game. I will be going to it probably the last time we play Texas in, for some time. So I dropped that money. I <laughs> said, there's no price. It's too much unless it's three digits. Um, so I, I paid the price, and I'll be excited to go to that game. The games that do make me kind of wary, if I'm okay, four games, I, I lock. I mean, TCU, I think Texas, because you're not going to lose to Texas after you lost to them in football. You're not going to lose to them in basketball, um, especially if we have Warren Washington back. And then um, I'd say Oklahoma State. Uh, so I said TCU, Texas, uh, TCU, Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor are kind of like my locks. Uh, I do think the narrative of UCF being hungry. I think UCF, and we've talked about it before, UCF has been really impressive this season. They're getting to this juncture where it's like do or die, especially in their mind, right? So I think they're going to be, um, they're going to be in a really desperate mode. That if they're playing their best at home, like it's it can spell trouble for the Red Raiders. Uh, they've had they had a size advantage on us last time too, so it, it gets kind of tough. Um, West Virginia. They may be second worst in the nation or in the in the conference in the nation. They're worse now. Actually, I just look up the standings. Oklahoma State won their last game. So now, now West Virginia, you're tied for worst. And technically, you have a worse overall record. So I'm going to put you at the bottom. You, you, you stink. But we play in Morgantown. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And we've talked about it. And we, just don't, we just don't show up. We've only won, what, twice ever? Yeah, we just don't show up. Uh, now, is there a McCaslin magic? Absolutely. And I think that if there's a coach that's going to get it done, McCaslin can do so. Um, if we lose that game, I'm not going to act surprised because history is important and we just don't play well in Morgantown. But uh, like you said, four, maybe five wins here. Six, if you're feeling you know froggy, 
This is an impressive end to the season. Getting above 20 wins in McCasin's first season, beating the teams that you – I mean, you nearly 30-pieced Kansas at home. Um, and, yeah, okay – I saw some, you know, tw- I saw some really funny tweets from neutral parties who aren't Texas Tech fans who are like um, seeing Kansas fans complain about, oh, McCullough was out if we had our guy, and it was like, okay, listen, um, Vegas said that you'd lose by three, not by thirty, so <laughs> there's you're missing some points here. Um, I think that there's been a lot of respect put on Texas Tech's name this season, and that's kind of a big win for me when you think about. This program going from the national championship game, losing our head coach, having a controversial second head coach in that, and now getting a guy that most people, unless they know ball, which some AP voters do know ball, um, they looked at McCaslin and said, who the hell is this guy? UNT? I don't think so. But nevertheless, McCaslin has put together his guys, got his coaching staff together, and have really shocked and impressed a lot of people around the country. So that's the reason you just split two top 10 teams win against Kansas lost against Iowa state. And you still ended up in the top 25, your top your 23 because AP voters know that this is a good team and you were missing Warren Washington and you only lost Iowa state by whatever that was eight. I mean, we were going to lose either way, so but I, you well, lost you by eight when you were thing. down 21. You mentioned one thing that I'm curious about Warren Washington. Is he healthy? <laughs> so his his status for right now he's a game time decision for the TCU game like he was a game time decision for the Iowa State game he didn't play he was in a boot during that Iowa State game um I hot take he I don't think he should play yeah I don't I, I, I don't, don't think he that. should play um I think you rest them and you, you try to fight against TCU and, and that's a tough TCU team it's not gonna be an easy game it's not gonna be an easy fight um but you mentioned it we need Warren Washington we need him. And if it is a – I'll put it like this. And it's a game-time decision. If he looks like himself and no problems, he says, oh, my foot's 100%, let's go. Good bet. Let's get it. If he says, oh, I don't know, my foot's like 70%, but I can give it a go. I said, nah, you know what, son? Take a seat. We, we, we'll, we'll try to work, make it work. Um, it's m- way more important that he is ready by the end of the season than it is – uh, right now, I, I think every bracketology that I've seen is saying that we really just need one more win for us to get in the tournament. Um, I agree. And actually, even yeah, yeah, well, mostly because if we lose seven straight, eight straight heading into the tournament, that's probably not best. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that that uh, let him rest. That is what you need. That is what is most important right now is Warren Washington fully healthy. So if it's not if he's not 100 percent by the TCU game, let him chill. Let him take a step back. Let him be fine. Um, I think the team should be good enough to beat TCU without him. Um, now, that being said, TCU is a tough team, so they could beat us also without him. But, you know, uh, that's that's if it, if it happens, it happens. But let it let it, let it it ride. Uh, we need him very healthy. But I am interested to see, you know, what his status is for TCU and what his status is for the rest of the season. I think that's high IQ, high IQ coaching. Um he was day to day for the Iowa State game, but with the way the Iowa State, I told I was telling my buddies, you know, with McCaslin knows how aggressive this Iowa State team is, and Hilton is a day, you know, if he was not feeling close to a hundred percent, you you put him out there, he's just going to re-injure something. He's going to, you know, uh, it was just a crazy time. So I'm not afraid to, you know, if looking down the schedule, I don't know if I'm like, oh, dream scenario. You're in the tournament. You're a lock for the tournament. I'd say rest him until March and then let him play the last three to get kind of like game condition again, a couple games in the tournament, the Big 12 tournament, and then, you know, the big tournament. But you can survive without TCU. We survived without UCF. Um, and against Texas, that's going to be a crazy game as it is. You know, somebody's going to pop off anyways. So I don't know. If he's not 100%, like that's the thing is that he's the guy. If you don't have him in the tournament, you're going to get waxed by somebody with big men. So you got to have him as healthy as possible. And that's got to be the vision because you're not going to win the Big 12, which is fine. It's your first year. You got really close. You, you, you're in the top half, which is more than what most do. I think prioritize your big guy and prioritize you know showing up in the tournament. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Big 12 championship game is going on right now between Houston and Iowa State, to be honest. And Iowa State was down by a lot. I think they were down like 15 in the first like five minutes. And they've, they're only down six. So uh, they are, are battling, I would say. That's a good team. Cyclones, they are a good team. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you know what else is good, Jeremy? Charlie Hustle. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by our friends 
over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, the home of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and the home of Patrick Mahomes. And they specialize in collegiate and hometown apparel. That's right, you can get your Texas Tech gear and you can get your Kansas City Chiefs gear. Now, Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed Texas Tech apparel today. Show off that school spirit all season long and use our promo code 10-12-15. That is good for 15% off of all non-sale items. With all this stuff to choose from, they got you covered with all of your apparel needs. Make sure to go to charliehustle.com. Use our promo code 10-12-15. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh. So, Jeremy... The fan base was upset over the weekend, my boy. <laughs> so they were upset about a couple things. So one, they lost to Iowa State because Texas Tech can't – fans, as fans, we can't just well, see a loss and say, you know what, we'll get them next time. We can't do that. We, we, we always do – I find Tech fans to be funny because we always do one of two things. We either say, you know, we'll, we'll lose a game we have no right business losing and say, ah, it's okay, we'll get them next time. And then we'll lose a game that we were always going to lose and be like, you know what? This is the problem that I've had with this team all season long. I know they just came off of back-to-back wins. I know they just beat Kansas, the number six team in the country, and blew them out like crazy. I know that we were looking like a good team. We were ranked fifth, fifth. But I always knew this team would mess up and there were some problems here. Okay. Right? So they were definitely upset about that. There was also, and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on here, is because they were very upset about the women's basketball team, the Lady Raiders. They were very upset about the Lady Raiders. Uh, so a, a tweet came out after the Lady Raiders lost again. So and let me set the scene a little bit while we talk about the Lady Raiders. Um, so the Lady Raiders, if you remember the beginning of the season, you and I, we had talked. And we talk, I, I, I personally said that this, this season is a success if we make the tournament, and it's a failure if we didn't. This team, I thought, was ready to take that step to be a tournament team. They, their non-conference wasn't very challenging, but through the non-conference, I thought, yep, everything's still ahead of you. You look like a team that could contend for the tournament. You could be a bu- I thought they would be firmly a bubble team. You start the conference season, and you look like it. Wins against Houston, wins against Kansas, right? A couple, a couple bad losses to the Oklahoma schools, but a nice, nice big win against ranked Iowa State. Uh, you beat Houston again. You beat you beat the team that you're supposed to. You win a game you weren't supposed to win, and you're just going that, down that path, and you're like, this – after the TCU win, I, I think they were f- a firm ESPNW bubble team. They were a team that looked like they were in the bubble, right? And I think at this moment, I want to say, I don't know if they had started losing yet, but I want to say I said at the moment they just need two more wins, two or three more wins, and they'll be in the tournament. They have not won a game since that TCU. They're currently on a five-game losing streak. And it's not just a five-game losing streak like five of the best teams in the country. No, no, no. They're on a five-game losing streak to teams they have no business losing to. They're on a five-game losing streak to uh, uh, to teams like UCF at home. At first, let me, at first, it was losing at Cincinnati and at West Virginia. And Cincinnati was a bad loss. That's a bad loss. That's a bad team. But it's a road. It's on a road. And remember, in Kenzie, in our group chat, was talking about it and saying, this team just can't win on the road. And, and, and it looked like it. It looked like this team just cannot win on the road. That is their problem, which is not great when you're trying to make the tournament when that's what they look at more than anything. But this team cannot win on the road. Okay, they're a young team. They can't win on the road. I get it. They lose to West Virginia. That was always expected. But they're going to be back in the friendly confines. That's when I came on the episode. They're going to be back in the friendly confines, right? They need three more wins. They'll be in the tournament. And the first two should come pretty easily. UCF and Oklahoma State, two of the worst teams in the conference at home. Should be dubbed dub. It's that third win. Where the hell is that third win going to come from? Well, they lost to UCF and they lost to Oklahoma State both at home, Jeremy. And then they got and, – and, and the, the, the discourse on the timeline was because they got absolutely embarrassingly blown out by Baylor on Brittany Griner, on Brittany Griner night. So it was all over ESPN. So it just, it just embarrasses you all around because it's – you know, ESPN doesn't show every women's game, but they're going to show when Brittany Griner gets her jersey retired. And they're going to show the flashback specifically against Texas Tech. And they're going to show Baylor beating out Tech by almost 30. They're going to show all of that. And because, and people are going to put on Twitter fingers. They're going to come to the timeline and say, this program is an embarrassment. 
Um, what do you take one of this atrocious five-game slide? Let's, let's, let's not mince words about it. It is a bad, bad five-game slide. This is a setback, program setback this past couple weeks. But you also have, you know, do you think the fan base is in their rights to feel like this is well? Before I get into the tweet, would you do you have you do you just talk about those that five game stretch? Sorry. Yeah. So after we beat TCU, um, I had said, "Hey, this Cincinnati game because because you're right, and Kinsey's right, and we pointed it out on the podcast. Like this team has had such a hard time winning on the road, and they made such a habit of winning at home. I'm like." That's really good, but if you want to be in the tournament, you've got to show some pizzazz on the road. You got to get some kind of road victory in your conference because if you don't, you're not really making a case of like showing up and a technically a road game, a neutral game, but like a road game. Excuse me, technically a neutral game, but in the tournament, you're not making a lot of case for yourself when you're not at home. And so I said, look, the Cincinnati team is not good. They've had a lot of things going against them. They just they 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 funnel it through one player, double team the player you'll be fine. Or let her get 30 points and don't let anybody else score, right? We've talked about that. Like, let her shoot. It's no big deal. She can get her 30 piece uh, and they'll still lose. Well, <laughs> boy, I said that they needed that Cincinnati win or they were not going to make the tournament. Um, we lost 74-56. People kind of chided me about that. They thought, ah, it's unrealistic because we still got so many good opportunities. We can go against West Virginia. And I said, you guys don't watch ball at all because... <laughs> we went to Morgantown, and we never had a chance. 82-59 loss. Um, I predicted that loss anyways. I didn't think that had any effect on our tournament bid. Because when we came home, what do we have? Back-to-back against awful teams. So you can boost, at least you can get some more wins, right? But you just, two losses. The UCF game, so close at the end there. I hate how uh, we just let them get ahead too early. and Oh, and, we, we put uh, ourselves in such a huge hole that it was virtually felt impossible to climb out of. It's been a theme all season. It's been a theme all season. And then with Oklahoma State, you're playing at the time as the worst team in the conference. Um, no, not the worst team. Excuse me. Uh, the worst team in your like little middle section. I have like broken it up in top section. You're going to lose against those guys. Middle section is what you should be really competitive with. The bottom you should beat. Um, Oklahoma State, the bottom of the middle section for me. You should have beat them. You're at home. You play well at home. You lose 60-50. to 50. And Coach Gerlich, after that game, went into the presser and said that th- her players did not play well. Basically, it was just like they didn't play to their potential, and that's why we lost, because they had a chance to step up, and they didn't. I was very proud of Coach Gerlich in that moment um, for kind of putting some on her own players because it had felt like there was this cohesiveness earlier in the season where you felt like this team was very unified and there haven't been like any game breaking injuries that have just like, Oh, Bailey Moppin's out forever. We have to figure out what to do. Like, no, this team has just somehow gotten less. I'm going to say, I'm going to say worse. I'm going to say worse. worse. They've gotten worse as the season's gone on. So when we went into Baylor, no bones about it. I don't care. They're ranked 21. We're going to lose. And they had the Brittany Griner thing. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> great. So we lose 61. Th- I, Kinsey and I were shocked that we got 30 points. Eight, we, <laughs> Lord have mercy. We couldn't buy a bucket if we paid millions of dollars. I mean, you had uh, 12, what was it, nine, 13 points in the first half. 13 points. You didn't score Unit scored double digits until the fourth quarter. Uh, and at that point, it was way a little, way, way, way too lot, way too late. Jeremy, they had five points in the third quarter. Yeah, no, four in the first even. I mean, tough, right? And so you look at this, and I look at this five-game losing streak. Like you're looking at it. Like this is a regression in where the program should be, where we wanted it to be, where we thought it really was headed towards. And I really don't know what it is. Like it's hard. It's 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 not even like a oh, it's just us on the road anymore. It's like no, we're getting smacked at home. Like what is going on? Well, so from that, um, I feel like Taylor Twelman. Whenever the U.S. men's team was just absolute trash, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like what are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? So, but after so after that happened, of course, um, people that have not watched the women's game all season long took to Twitter to really condemn the program and condemn Coach Gerlich. Uh, I think one the first tweet I saw, and I, I don't know if this is the one that really set it off or not, but 
um, you know, he's a he's a pretty popular person, and I'm not gonna necessarily call him out because he is a a good friend of mine in real life, not just in virtual life. Um, but uh, uh, but he, I mean, he's he's popular in tech Twitter, and uh, he did kind of not call for Coach Gerlich's job, but implied that the program deserved better, right? And if you go to the uh, Lady Raiders final score post, they a lot of people are saying. I, I just saw two comments that Gerlich needs to go. Gerlich's got to go. I have been a big fan of Coach Gerlich since the second we hired her. She's who I wanted us to hire. She's been a very good coach for us. In year four, this was the year we were supposed to be contending for the tournament. Now, I mind you, she took this team from an absolute atrocity. Where we were when she cut, took the job, you could argue was the worst job in the Big 12, right? After one, we were in the dumps. The coach we just hired got fired for a um, player abuse scandal. You're arguably taking over the worst job in the conference, right? And so you knew this was going to take a while. This was the year it was supposed to, we were supposed to come full circle. This was the year that people that are patient, like myself, that are like, yeah, we got to preach patience, preach patience, but year four is when it's going to happen. Year four, we have talent. Year four, we have Bailey Maupin. We have Jazz Shavers. We have players that should be able to get enough to, at the very least, contend for the tournament. We went to the WNIT last year and won a few games. Like, now is the time to prove. Proof is now in the pudding. And if this five-game losing streak, we're not going to make the tournament. I mean, the tournament's out unless a miracle happens towards the end of the season. We're not going to make the tournament. We're not going to really come close, it looks like. Um, we are... You know, and and so it's difficult. The support is difficult to it's difficult to continue to support. But flip side, everybody that's kind of condemning Coach Gerlich in the program doesn't don't watch the games. Like they don't actually know what's been going on. They're just looking at a stat sheet, looking at a call sheet, seeing what Grant McCallison is doing in year one, and saying, oh well, why can't this happen here? And mind you, women's basketball and men's basketball are two completely different sports. It's not easy. To just do a turnaround like that. It, it's absolutely, I mean, hell, Kara Lawson is one of the greatest women to ever pick up a basketball. She's a head coach at Duke. She hasn't done a quick turnaround at Duke. It's also had to take patience. With the transport, and it's not, it's a completely different sport, but that has exacerbated some of the impatience for people that don't watch the Lady Raiders. And, you know, it's, it's, now it's become a kind of a kerfuffle of a lot of the people that I respect that do watch the Lady Raiders are like, well, what the hell are y'all talking about? Y'all don't watch this. But I would also argue sometimes a little too soft on them. What do you think? Yeah, we're we're once again, Albert. Tortillas and takes is in the middle of this. <laughs> I mean, um, we're kind of in the middle. Yeah, we're really in the middle, and I think that's what I really enjoy most about our podcast. Just trying to be real, and I uh, to the one group that is just now tuning in and is looking at this. Um, I understand the grief of having a team go on. Uh, and lose right and i think at the base level right foundationally we don't want texas tech to lose because it's all alma mater man like there's no t-shirt fans here like this is deeply personal to us because it's the brand it's the double t it's what we want to represent we want to be able to go hey we're proud of this program we're proud of these people um by their success right not by oh we're just proud that they're out there trying like no i'm proud of like the success that they have because of how hard they work and so for the group of people who are just like chiming in to chime in um i think you i think this kind of a disgrace to fandom and sports in general is that if you're if you're not watching this team if you're not like investing your time and you're just kind of checking out what other people are saying you're like you know what that does piss me off I, that pisses me off, actually, because <clears throat> what you're doing is you're just kind of adding noise when really we need to be adding uh, – we don't need to be adding noise. We need to be having solid conversation. We need to have, like, commentary and critique. We don't need to be going, well, she's ass, this, blah, 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 all these different things. So that's just a bunch of noise. I will say on the other end where we have people who are just boosting to boost, like, I love – Hey, all four Texas Tech, all four, you know, like Coach Gerlich, I, I agree. Like, met her, had great conversations with her. She's an excellent coach. She's an even more excellent person. Um, she's losing, and she's losing in dramatic fashion. Like, I'm not going to go – I think it's almost disingenuous to turn around and go, you guys stop being critical because they're doing their hardest. I'm like, 
I, I, I don't, if this is their hardest, then that's concerning. That's a problem. Yeah, that's right? a problem. That's the problem. Like, if you're looking at numbers and if you're trying to, like, legitimize uh, female sports and you're just kind of patting them because they're girls and they're out there, you know, playing a sport, I'm not into that. Like, hey, you, I, we're for women being good at, like, the women's soccer program this year, good. Yeah, them, good. them ladies got out there and got after it. Like, they were bleeding and playing through all kinds of, and they were giving it their everything and they 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 sh- they they made it the distance they did because of that. I think with this program where it's at right now like there's something amiss. There's something we're not doing. There's some kind of grit and determination that we're just lacking. And that's a problem. And I think that it does start at the top. I think coach Gerlich is it has to take responsibility because she's the head coach. Right? Does it mean that she should like does this five game losing streak? I think people are looking at like, okay, last year you won six of your twelve. You you won six of your eighteen conference games, so you're one away, and you're probably not going to get to that. Um, and you know what? To you, I say maybe because like you haven't won in the past five games, so it would be kind of weird to say we're going to win w- one more for the gaffer um, because you got four more, and you've you've you've, you've shown that you can't <laughs> win against these teams. So, but for me, I think if you're looking at year four, and for me, it's year three. For me, it's always That's been true. year three that is for true, coaches. Year, year, the yeah. first year was year zero. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, with this whole situation, with the way, what Gerlich has come into, I'm happy to be lenient. Um, I'm happy to be a little lenient. But I, get- I do think that she's making more waves with recruiting than we have in some time. That's what I, I, I'm waiting on this Aaliyah Chavez thing. Because for me, if Gurley gets Aaliyah Chavez somehow, I'm not. <laughs> You're not waiting on that? I'm not waiting on that. It, it, it's, I'm not waiting on that because that is – I'm not saying it's a pipe dream. Obviously, you have the, the best uh, – one of the best prospects that I can remember coming through, and she lives in Lubbock, Texas. So you're going to have a shot. You're going to have a chance at it. Uh, but she's also one of the greatest prospects that we've seen in some time. She is a Paige Beckers-level prospect. And because everybody's of that, gonna, everybody's yeah. coming. I mean, there was uh, Kim McMul- Kim Mulkey was in Lubbock. Kim Mulkey ain't coming to Lubbock for no reason, right? And so I'm not holding holding my breath on Aaliyah Chavez staying in Lubbock, right? I'm just not. Um, and so I, I I think I do agree with you though. Overall, recruiting has definitely gone up. I mean, this is the best rec- recruiting we've had really since Coach Curry uh, back in the early 2010s. And so I, I do agree with that piece. I am not going to be as lenient just because of where I think this program should be right now, right? Like I said, we should be fighting for the bubble. I, mean, I didn't say we should be a five season like that, but we should have been both the women and the men's team coming into the season, in my opinion, we're both fighting for the NCAA tournament. The men's seed is a five seed right now. The men's team is a five seed right now. The women's team is not going to make it. And right now they continue to snide. They're not going to make the WNIT, right? And so that's, that's bad. That's not good. And I would have condemned both coach McCaslin and coach Gerlich if they don't make the tournament. And, and it's time for some criticism. I am nowhere near going to this whole girl that needs to go and this. That's ridiculous, in my opinion. Right? That is the first three or the year zero, year one, and year two. The motion she's made to completely turn the program around from where it was beforehand to put instill some goodwill and good confidence in the program, have players build them up and have them grow and, and increase the recruiting that we didn't have before has been tremendous. In no way am I going to look at this five game losing streak and say, "Well, she needs to go." That's ridiculous, right? Um, however, she deserves some criticism, as does the entire team. You know, I would, you know, and so I think that's, I will say, if you're going to criticize, I think I can, I think, Jeremy, you can criticize. I think I can criticize. I think um, Kenzie can criticize. I think uh, Mateo, uh, the rat, he can criticize. I think um, uh, seeing Scarlet can criticize. I, there's other people that I know on the timeline that watch the Lady Raiders pretty frequently and they have every right like i said i do think that some of some of the people that watch lady raiders and their diehard lady raider fans are a little bit too lenient but they have the right to criticize because they're watching them a lot of the people that i'm seeing on the timeline that have all these criticisms don't watch one if you remember when the volleyball team came on my neck what was this a year and a half ago two years ago right one of the biggest criticisms of me coming at them and making jokes about them losing is i'm not watching them i didn't watch volleyball I, i'm gonna be real I did not watch volleyball. I started watching volleyball when they started winning some games just in spite of me, right? Uh, but I don't watch volleyball. So I'm not going it, to – it's disingenuous, 
same thing for me to criticize the volleyball team like I did when I don't watch, I didn't watch them, right? Um, so far, you know, softball's not really, that's another thing. I'm not a big softball watcher. You and Kenzie are. Y'all can speak on softball a lot more than I can because I'm not a big softball watcher, right? Uh, track, love track. I'm a awesome track meet. So I'm a criticize some track meet so I don't see something. But the thing about it is, is that everybody's saying that, well, I went to the school and I'm not going to watch any of these games, but I'm going to talk mess if they do bad. And then I'm going to, you know, and all this other stuff. You got to watch the team. It's the same thing we said whenever everybody was so excited about us beating Iowa State and was like, oh, man, the Lady Raiders, are, they're amazing. You, you, gotta, you still got to watch. You can watch for the highs and be there for the lows, and you can criticize for the lows. Actually, I saw a Facebook post because Facebook likes to tell you of all the terrible things that you used to post um, when you were 18. But uh, I did see a Facebook post uh, in 2011. I said we're about to rush to the court against the number one team in the country. And I started thinking, like, who the hell is the number one? Tech never beat the number one team in the country, was it? The Lady Raiders did. They beat Brittany Griner in 2011, right? And, you know, if we'd have beat Brittany Griner this past weekend, maybe they'd have showed those highlights. But, unfortunately, we did not. Um, <laughs> but the, my point is, is that I knew to this and true to this. And so, therefore, my criticism comes from a place of love. But I absolutely understand, like, every you coming at this, these team, this team's neck and you don't watch the team. You don't watch where they've been. You don't watch – you know, outside of Bailey Moppin, do you know who the rest of the players are on the team? Do you know Jazz Lewis? Do you know Riley McKinney? Right? Have you been watching the progressions here? Um, so, so I just think a lot of the people that are on Twitter that are talking down on the Lady Raiders that haven't watched a game or have watched only one game, right, but feel like, oh, well, Coach Gurley needs to go. Well, do you know where we were four years ago when she got hired? Do you know what she's done in the previous three years before this season? Or are you just talking about the fact that we're, we're on a five-game losing streak right now? There's two sides to it. And I do think we're in the middle. But anyone calling for Coach Gerlich's job isn't paying attention. That's just ridiculous. That's just begging to move backwards. Yeah, that's that's it, it's, that's that's insane to me. I, I, you know, I think we can criticize. It don't make sense. You can, yeah. you can criticize Coach Gerlich right now and the team right now without saying that she should be fired and everybody needs to go. Like, that's ridiculous. And here, here's the difference. is like when we criticize, when people who, like, watch and enjoy and want the team to have success – when I criticize and I'm like, hey, you guys are playing like ass, it's it's not because I want it's because I want this team to do well. It's because like I, I in our criticism as fans, which you do get that kind of authority as a fandom, like that's part of fandom is being like, hey, I'm, I'm super hyped because of where we are uh, or I'm super pissed because where we are. You have that. It's it's the duality of fandom, right? That's not being a fair weather fan is being able to access both parts of that, but still want the greatest success for the team. I can be really upset that we are on a five game losing streak when weeks ago I said we have to beat Cincinnati to get into the tournament, and I thought we would. I thought we would too. Um, yeah. And now we're on a five game losing streak, and I can still say this team sucks right now, but. I want us to get better because I want us to win more games. I want us to get into a WNIT. I want us to have the most success as possible at this moment. I'm not coming for Coach Gerlich's neck. I will say something is amiss. Yeah. She may need to change some kind of her pedagogy or whatever. But I'm not like, don't get rid of her. She's an amazing coach and a better person. Is, it's so stupid. That's ridiculous. Let me tell you something. I'm about, you have somebody who I'm wants probably, to be here. I'm probably like two years away from even – from. I would need like two more seasons of terrible season, and I'm I'm pretty usually pretty tough on the whole like you know, um, like I said I wanted Coach Kingsbury gone about three seasons before we did it, uh, but but you know we're far way away from saying hey Coach Gerlich, we know that you are um, you know Coach Gerlich actually is a lot like, <laughs> all of our coaches are like Joey McGuire in a sense, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's a great recruiter. Right, fun, fun coach to be around, and really understands like college students. Uh, but just like Joey McGuire, sometimes things don't, things ain't working. Things don't work. This last season was very disappointing um, for unfootball, and it's uh, that same disappointment. And unfortunately, is coming through with uh, the Lady Raiders as well. But, um, but that doesn't. But who is anybody here calling for Joey McGuire's job? No. Nope. So. Um, but either way, I think the main point of the story here, and it sounds like we're on the same page of things do need to change the Lady Raiders. They need to figure out what's going on. They need to figure out what's wrong um, on this team. They need to play better. They flat out need to play better. But if you're going to criticize, watch the games and understand what you're talking about before you just make statements. 
So that's it. Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, nope. Basketball season. It's almost March, which means tournament time. Excited for that. That does mean tournament time. Um, for the this is going to be a crazy tournament team. because the top twenty-five <laughs> is garbage this year. You don't know who's gonna who's who's where. So I'm really excited to see um, kind of the chaos of it all. You think so? I think so. I watched UConn over the weekend. I don't know if I think so. I mean, they're. I mean, okay. As a whole, the top twenty-five is oh, bogus. Man, I guess there are some teams that are exemplary. I mean, so to be fair, I saw UConn over the weekend. They do look like the best team in the nation. They they beat the hell out of Marquette. Um, uh, quick aside, I will root for Shaka Smart in anything he does post Texas. Uh, Correct. You know, that's just, good coach. Yeah, very good, good coach. coach. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, but I I, I kind of believe with, agree with you that there's not a bunch of teams at the top, and I think it's mostly because the teams at the top are we've seen them be frauds before. Like Purdue, like Marquette, like um, you know, uh, uh, like oh, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> I mean, Kansas what, just won a national championship. So I guess they've they've temporarily they get paused, a break or what? They paused the, the fraud <laughs> allegations. I feel like they paused. They get a rest. They get a rest. They you you're not once you win a championship, the pa- the fraud allegations are paused for the time being. Came with UConn. UConn's won a national championship, so the fraud allegations for them are paused for the time being. I would say about what is it, five years? A five year, a yeah, five, five year, year moratorium. Yeah, five year pause until we call you frauds again. But that is exacerbated if you are one seed and you lose in the first weekend. Pause is over. You're back to being frauds. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so that is it for the that is that is it for us. That is it for Jeremy and your in in myself. Um, fan base is upset. So. With that being said, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to end this. With that being said, uh, for the People's Champ, that is Jeremy Gillen. This is your boy, I'll be sure. And you've been listening to Tortillas and Takes Podcast, part of the 1012 Network. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.